Welcome to Come Follow Me with Brie, episode 52, Fear Not. Hello, everyone. I hope you guys all had a wonderful week. I am on a high right now because I went to the store just last night and I bought new decorative pumpkins and that makes me so happy. (laughs) Although just, you know, if we're being totally transparent, I did maybe not bring them into the house because I didn't want my husband to see them and then be annoyed that I bought more fake pretty pumpkins. (laughs) Anyway, well, now the cat's out of the bag because he listens to these and so he will know soon, but he'll see them soon anyway. So it's all good. (laughs) Again, thank you so much for sharing. I can see it. Thank you. Thank you. I'm not going to go on too long about it, but really it means so much to me. So if you enjoy this episode, please share it with a friend, share it on your social media, however you want to share it. It just makes me so happy. And especially if you feel like someone could benefit from the message, like your, your ministering sister or brother, that's just one more way that you have to reach out and connect with them by listening to the same thing and then having something to talk about and just generally uplifting their day. Because I know that sometimes I need a reminder to make sure that I'm getting my spiritual stuff in. And so if somebody sends me a podcast episode that they loved, I would listen to it. And then I would feel so thankful that I'm like, oh, man, that person really helped me get some spiritual stuff into my day. So let's move on to what we're talking about today. Section 98 was given to the prophet Joseph before he was aware of all of the persecutions going on in Jackson County, Missouri. The Come Follow Me manual prefaces with this. For the saints in the 1830s, Independence, Missouri was literally the promised land. It was the center place of Zion, the city of God on earth, which they were making great sacrifices to build. To them, the gathering of the saints was an exciting and glorious prelude to the second coming. But their neighbors in the area saw things differently. They took issue with the claim that God had given the land to the saints and that they were uncomfortable with the political, economic, and social consequences of so many people from an unfamiliar region moving into the area so quickly. Soon concern turned to threats, and threats turned into persecution and violence. In July 1833, the church's printing office was destroyed, and in November, the saints were forced to abandon their homes in Jackson County, Missouri. Joseph Smith was over 800 miles away in Kirtland, and this news took weeks to reach him. But the Lord knew what was happening, and he revealed to his prophet principles of peace and encouragement that would comfort the saints— Principles that can also help us when we face persecution, when our righteous desires go unfulfilled, and when we need a reminder that our daily afflictions will eventually somehow work together for our good. This week, I saw a diagram on social media that showed a line, and the line represented the entirety of somebody's life and everything going on in it. And then a much shorter section was shown to show what we, as people outside of that person's life, know about their life. The point was to demonstrate that everyone we know has so much more going on, so much background and context, so much emotion and interwoven circumstances that we just can't see. We only barely scratch the surface with what we see and know and understand about their life. Isn't that one of the reasons that people in today's world feel more lonely than ever? We are able to portray ourselves a certain way over the internet or even just actually in real life. And our ability to connect on a deeper level, a deeper, more personal level, has diminished. And actually, just a side note, that just makes me think about how that's what Satan wants. So what things am I doing in my life that's inhibiting me from connecting with other people on a deeper level? Because he wants us to feel lonely. He wants us to feel unseen and unloved and unknown. 
So even if the people who know us best know a larger span of that line that represents your entire life, they still only have a portion. Now, I was going to say, doesn't that just feel so lonely? But at the same time, I think to an extent, we don't necessarily want everyone in our head. So maybe it's good that some of it is under the surface. Actually, I definitely think that, that that's a good thing. But when I think about my own line, even I only know a portion of it. Now, of course, I know a much larger portion than any person outside of me knows, but I really don't even know it all. Do you know who does know it all? The entirety of that line that represents my life, a line that actually doesn't have an end, Heavenly Father and Jesus Christ, they know it all. They know more than I know. They know everything that's going on in my head, every worry, every fear, every insecurity, every past experience that has contributed to who I am and even who I will become. I think it's amazing to think about as we read section 98 that even though Joseph didn't know what was going on in Missouri, the Lord did. And he had the most perfect words to comfort them. He knew not only the overarching storyline of what was happening in Missouri, but he knew every single circumstance, every single emotion of every single person that was involved in that conflict. He even knew the other side. He knew how their enemies felt, what was contributing to why they felt the way that they did. He knew their fears and he knew their weaknesses. So as we talk about these verses in section 98, I just want you to continually remember that the Lord knows our circumstances. He knew the saints in Missouri's circumstances perfectly. And his words are perfect for helping the saints then navigate and, and make it through that experience. And also, they are perfect for helping us navigate our experience. I'm going to be focusing on the first three verses of section 98. The first words that the Lord chose to speak to his saints that were enduring such hard things. Verse 1. Verily I say unto you, my friends, fear not. Let your hearts be comforted, yea, rejoice evermore, and in everything give thanks. Waiting patiently on the Lord, for your prayers have entered into the ears of the Lord of Seboeth, and are recorded with this seal and testament. The Lord hath sworn and decreed that they shall be granted. Therefore he giveth this promise unto you, with an immutable covenant that they shall be fulfilled, that all things wherewith you have been afflicted shall work together for your good. And to my name's glory, saith the Lord. Let's start with the Lord's command for them to fear not and let their hearts be comforted. When I'm upset about something, you know what I don't find helpful? For someone to tell me not to be upset. So I want you to note the difference between the Lord telling them to fear not versus telling them not to be upset. Is it possible to make it through this life without being upset about circumstances? I really don't think so. Now, the extent of how upset you are and how long it goes on might be debatable, but I don't really think it's possible for you never to be upset. I think it's a very normal human emotion that has some pretty useful purposes. It helps us analyze situations and motivates us to move forward and try and fix things. Without ever being upset, we wouldn't understand what it would feel like to feel peace. And then the feeling of peace wouldn't be nearly as profound because we'd be lacking the context for those feelings. I would say it also helps us be empathetic to others when they are upset. There are many instances in the scriptures where people are commanded to fear not or something similar to that. 
And included with those commands, we are given the how and the why. And there's even more than I'm going to talk about here, but I just wanted to give you a few. When Moses revealed the Ten Commandments to the people, he said this in Exodus chapter 20, verse 20. And Moses said unto the people, Fear not, for God is come to prove you, and that his fear may be before your faces, that ye sin not. Do you know when you read those somewhat scary hell and brimfire chapters in the scriptures? We are told many times in the scriptures as well to fear God. What is the purpose of fearing God? Well, Moses tells us here, he ensures that we know the consequences of sin. We talked about this a few weeks ago. He doesn't sugarcoat it, his commands. He doesn't flatter you and tell you what you want to hear. He tells you exactly how it is, and it's because he loves you. He tells you the consequences of sin. So even though we are commanded to fear not, we are also commanded to fear God. And to me, that's less about fear and more about just being very aware and knowledgeable, because God has told us, about how we should be living our lives and how we can get back to him. And that's all out of love. All right, next, Moses counsels with Israel and Joshua in Deuteronomy chapter 31, verse 6. Be strong and of good courage. Fear not, nor be afraid of them. For the Lord thy God, he is that that doth go with thee. He will not fail thee nor forsake thee. How can we be strong and of good courage? Fear not through our faith in his promises that he will not fail us nor forsake us. Then Isaiah 41 verse 10, Fear thou not, for I am with thee. Be not dismayed, for I am thy God. I will strengthen thee, yea, I will help thee. Yea, I will uphold thee with the right hand of my righteousness. Why do we need not be afraid? The Lord is with us, the creator of the universe. He who holds all things in his hands is with you, guiding you, strengthening you, helping you fulfill his purpose through you because he is God. And as I'm saying all these things, I'm just amazed thinking about President Nelson, I forget exactly when it was, a year or so ago, where he asked us to review the promises of the house of Israel. And a lot of what we're reading here are the promises to the house of Israel. And we are going through some hard times right now and will continue to do so. And these promises to the house of Israel are vital. And I think that there was definitely, I know this, a reason that President Nelson had us study them because we need to cling on to these promises because his promises are sure and will give us the pathway that we need in order to be able to obey the command to fear not. Psalms 118.6 The Lord is on my side. I will not fear. What can man do unto me? Why do we not need to be afraid of man? How inconsequential does it seem to be afraid of what people might think of you or what they might do to you? When you have the Lord on your side, and truly, he is the only one that matters. Think about the first thing that Gabriel said to Mary, fear not. And then let's move to the Book of Mormon. This is Mormon writing a letter to his son Moroni. Moroni 8.16 Behold, I speak with boldness, having authority from God, and I fear not what man can do, for perfect love casteth out all fear, and I am filled with charity, which is everlasting love. Whoa, listen to that one. Fear not what man can do, for perfect love casts out all fear. Do you guys know what this podcast is called? I don't really say it very often, but it is called Come Follow Me with Brie with the tagline For the Love. Because all of this is for love. And isn't it perfect that our path to peace and a lack of fear is love? When we love God with all our might, mind, and strength, 
when we love our neighbor as ourself, it casts out all fear. Matthew 10.39 He that findeth his life shall lose it, and he that loseth his life for my sake shall find it. When we're focused on ourselves, it's really, really easy to feel afraid. But when we focus on the meaning of love, the true meaning of love, to love our God, to love our neighbor, to love ourselves, when we lose our self-centered, driven versions of ourselves and become one with God and Jesus Christ, that pure love, that charity, as Mormon says, casts out all fear. This command to fear not is possible. And I definitely don't have it mastered. But when I am really in tune with the Spirit, there is not a whole lot that can make me feel afraid. I can think of worst case scenarios of, of worldly conditions that could happen. When I am in tune, when I really have the spirit with me and I am filled with it, it casts out all my fear. My sister and my mom and I were talking recently about some signs of the times that we are seeing. And my sister sent a funny gif of Homer Simpson holding a sign saying the end is near. But you know, I don't even think of it that way. The beginning is near. Going back to what Mormon said, I fear not what man can do, for perfect love casteth out all fear. This section of the Doctrine and Covenants can be applied so well to what we are facing now in our world and what we will face in the future. We are commanded to fear not and let our hearts be comforted. President Nelson has told us to let God prevail, and that word let is in this verse as well. We have to be willing to let God comfort us, to open our hearts and find how in Him we can rejoice and in everything give thanks. Think of the circumstances that the saints were in. And yet they were commanded to be grateful and rejoice. They had been driven out of their homes, lost their property. Their dreams of building the city Zion right now had been crushed. And yet they were told to rejoice and give thanks. And that is not possible in circumstances like that without God. They were told to wait patiently on the Lord, that their prayers have been heard and they will be answered in his own due time. And when will that be answered for them? Think of those saints who were real people who still exist today. If they were righteous and faithful and enduring, they will be resurrected in the first resurrection and be able to join with the saints. So that prayer will be answered for them specifically. It's not just that we might get to experience it. They will get to experience it. They were also told that all things wherewith they had been afflicted shall work together for their good and to his name's glory. Why is that helpful? When you're in the middle of hard things, do you really want anyone to tell you that it will be good for you? But the Lord's answer is a little bit different, right? Since he knows all things, there's actually authority and power in that statement. It's not that he thinks things will be okay and work for your good. It's that he knows with a perfect knowledge that these things are for your good. That makes me think of one particular really hard trial of mine. And I know I've talked about this before. I honestly I can't remember to what extent I've talked about it. Um, and I know that some of you who listen have heard me talk about it before. So forgive me for any repetition. But my daughter went through a couple of years with severe OCD. And if you ever thought that OCD is just some bothersome, quirky mental illness that's just a little funny, you would be wrong. Very, very wrong. There is absolutely nothing funny about it. I remember many times laying in my bed, nauseous and sobbing, and I thought she might never live a happy life. It felt like there was quite literally a demonic monster 
in my daughter's brain, and there was nothing I could do to help her. After a couple of years, a lot of therapy, a lot of prayers, and a very pivotal priesthood blessing, she improved a lot. And for a while, it felt like OCD was gone for good. Recently, she's kind of relapsed a little bit, but we are on top of it. If you told me in the most intense moments of dealing with her OCD that I would ever be grateful, that it would ever be for my good, I would have for sure punched you in the face. And I wouldn't have probably believed you. But I am grateful for what OCD did for me. It made me a far better mother. It made me more equipped to raise emotionally healthy children. It gave me such a strong sense of empathy for mental illness. It strengthened my relationship with my husband. It increased my faith in Jesus Christ and his awareness of us all. And it made her stronger. I am so proud of her. And I know that OCD is kind of trying to rear its ugly head again. I'm so grateful that this happened to her when she was really young, when she was eight, because now that she's older and she's 13 and it might have been harder to tackle initially, we already know what we're doing and we have got this. She has got this. And I know that the Lord, through all of the hard times of that trial, he was always telling me that this was going to work together for my good and for her good, but I couldn't see it at the time. So I hope as I go through trials in the future, I can remember that I learned so much from OCD and maybe, maybe I wouldn't want to punch you in the face if you told me I'd be grateful for that experience someday. Although I'd probably be annoyed because that's not helpful. But when the Lord tells me, when I read the scriptures and the Lord tells me that these trials, that any trials that you or I go through will be for my good. I can believe him because he has already paid the price for that experience. He has already compensated for my pain and suffering. And he already knows exactly how that will be for my good. I think we're in for a lot of trials in the future. Actually, I don't just think that. We know that. As a church, we know that, that trials are coming. They've already started to happen. We're already seeing a division of the wheat and the tares. That is happening. And I know, again, another thing I've talked about before is I know so many people who don't like talking about the second coming in a way that implies that it could really be a reality in our lifetime. I obviously don't know when it will be, but I do think that that's possible. And so many people that I have talked to don't want to talk about it and they'll make a joke about it and talk about it as if the subject is in jest. And I understand that. It's intimidating. It sounds pretty scary, especially here in America where we have so little experience with oppression and violence that it seems so far beyond reality to think that we could get there. And a lot of times I think I'm there with them. My heart feels afraid and nervous, but I want to testify to you that I have also felt what it feels like to let my heart be comforted and to rejoice in the Savior and give thanks. I have felt that fear melt away. Pure love casts out all fear. When I am focused on how much I love my Savior, how much I love my God, how incredibly anxious I am to see His face and to move beyond faith and know with a perfect knowledge that He is, these feelings can overpower any fear. Having faith that God is bound to you in an immutable covenant that will be fulfilled That anything that comes will work together for your good and for the glory of he who created you. 
literally anything that comes. There is not one thing that you or I could experience that could outweigh the good that the Lord will create out of those experiences. Elder Marvin J. Ashton related this story. A beautiful little blind girl was sitting on the lap of her father in a crowded compartment in a train. A friend seated nearby said to the father, Let me give you a little rest. And he reached over and took the little girl on his lap. A few moments later, the father said to her, Do you know who is holding you? No, the little girl replied, But you do. Some might say, What a perfect trust this child has in her father. Others might say, What a wonderful example of love. And still others might say, what an example of faith. To me, it indicates a beautiful blending of all these principles. Affection, respect, and care over the years had placed in this little girl's heart a peace that surpasseth all understanding. She was at peace because she knew and trusted her father. Our trust and our relationship with our Heavenly Father should be similar to that of that little blind girl with her earthly father. When sorrow, tragedy, and heartbreak occur in our lives, Wouldn't it be comforting if when the whisperings of God say, do you know why this has happened to you? We could have the peace of mind to answer, no, but you do. I want to give my testimony to you because we all rely upon the testimonies of others at different points in our life, right? Everything, everything will be okay. Not just okay, everything will be perfect eventually. Around the world, we've been hearing about an earthquake that rocked Haiti. We've been hearing about the rioting in Cuba and people desperately trying to float their way from Cuba to Florida. We've been hearing about conflict in Israel between the Israeli government and Hamas. We've heard of Hurricane Ida and the destruction that that has caused and the death that unexpectedly happened in cities like New York City who were unprepared to handle that amount of rain. We hear of important rivers drying up. We feel the contention and division that surrounds COVID and COVID policies. We've painfully watched as the United States left Afghanistan, leaving behind the people who were just beginning to taste what freedom feels like and who are now left to an unimaginable future, taking desperate actions to try and save their children. We've watched the moral decline of our society take a very sharp turn. We've watched so many members of our church falter and leave. But I bear my testimony to all of you that all of this, even the horrible things that have happened and all of the horrible things that will continue to happen, it is all leading us to the future that the world was always meant to arrive at. A future based on the immutable covenant that all of his promises will be fulfilled. All of the turmoil around the world we can see as a sign that he is coming. And while those things can be troubling, I can also find them comforting in some respect because I am watching as his promises are fulfilled. And that is a great honor and privilege. And not just to watch, but to be called to help usher in the second coming of our Lord. My prayer is that all of us can keep the troubles of the world in the background and that our foreground can be filled with the service and pure love that casts away all fear. The call to fear not is attainable. Don't allow yourself to be overwhelmed, and instead, let your heart be comforted. Search for the infinite reasons that we have to rejoice and give thanks. We need to wait patiently as hard things happen, and pray, because He hears you, and your prayers are recorded with a seal and a testament that they will be granted. Let Psalms 46 be our mantra. God is our refuge and strength 
a very present help in trouble. Therefore we will not fear, though the earth be removed, and though the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea, though the waters thereof roar and be troubled, though the mountains shake with the swelling thereof. He maketh wars to cease unto the end of the earth. He breaketh the bow, and cutteth the spear asunder. He burneth the chariot in the fire. Be still, and know that I am God. And I say these things in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen.